you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 17. I'm, I'm going to be a few minutes getting there, so just take your, just turn to it. I will get to it in just a moment. Jeremiah chapter 17, I'm going to read verses 4 through 10 when I get there. Without question, we are, we're living in two words we don't want to hear again. One is unprecedented, and number two is pandemic. And I guess we can add a third one to that, gas shortage. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, it's, uh, I'm gas buddy, I've, I've never had that app before in my life. I have it now. I have found that it's not exactly reliable because around my house, uh, it's hard to find gas. And if you found it, I got a little bit this morning because I have a trip back home today, back sort of this way tomorrow, Carrollton tomorrow night, and Rome on Tuesday. So I am trying to be sure that I've got enough gas. So this morning I paid three and a quarter for it, and I, I was grateful to pay $3.25 for it. We've never lived in times like this. But here's the good thing about it this morning. I believe with all of my heart, this is the greatest time to be alive for the believer. Yes. We cannot choose our moment in time that we're alive. We cannot choose the events and circumstances that happen around our lives. But we do know that this moment that the God that we serve is still in control. Amen. And our life is in him. We don't have to be afraid. And I do believe that what, we are, what, what we're sensing this morning. You kept talking, there was, there was a yearning out of your heart for the wind of God's spirit to blow, for there be a mighty move of God. I do believe that before Jesus comes, that we are going to see that happen. I believe we're going to see a move, an unprecedented move of God like we've never seen. But I also believe there's something that's got to happen to the church. Before God can allow that to happen. And I believe what I want to share with you this morning is a prophetic word of where we are going in the short term. I believe Jesus is coming. I believe he's coming soon. But what we have seen happen in the last year, we, we've watched events unfold that we never thought we would see in our lifetime. We watched cities across America begin to burn. We watched the capital be overrun. And we, we never dreamed that we would see that in America, a place of law and order. We now see lawlessness. And people just simply do whatever they want to do. They have no regard for rules and for the rule of law in our nation. Political tension like we've never seen it. And America, as we know it, has never been more divided. But now here's the question. Where is the church? Where is the church in that equation? Now I have to tell you this morning, I'm afraid that there's not much difference in the church than the culture. What we did is we put our hope in our elections. We put our hope in men that they could fix our problems and our way of life would just go on. And so what the church did, and I believe well-meaning people, even gave prophetic words as to what was going to happen. Yeah. Those words would be spoken. Now let me, and, and even in our own tribe, 
I would read of, of men of God who were ready to pick up rocks and stone those people. Now, far be it from any of us who would stand and speak the word of the Lord and have a wrong interpretation of Scripture. Not that any of us have ever done that. And I'm being facetious when I say that. So I do not believe in my own heart that those were false prophets. I believe there were men and women who meant well, emotionally got involved. And, and I'm not, here's what a false prophet is. A false prophet is one who continually leads people away from God and from the call of God and, and the will of God. And I do not believe that those people were meaning to move the people away from the will of God. But so what do we do? We do according to scripture. We judge the word. We correct the word. And we move on. I still believe in the prophetic. We need the prophetic word of God in this day in which you and I are living. And I'm not going to back off because one or two people got emotionally involved and gave a prophetic word that would, did not come true. I'm not going to back off. I'm going to keep my ears open to the Holy Spirit, to what he is saying, and listen to the prophetic because I believe in the prophecies of God's word and God using men and women to deliver a prophetic word. What do we do? Here's what happened as a result of that. The world is laughing at the church. And the church is confused by what is going on. The problem was we trusted men. And we became more political than we were evangelical. But my hope was never in Donald Trump. And it's not in Joe Biden. I'm going to pray for the president whether I like him or not whether I like the rulers that he has with him, we as the church have a responsibility to pray for our leaders, to pray for those who are over us. But my hope was never in either one of them. Our hope is in the Lord. Our trust is in the Lord. And understand this morning that even though the world is confused, it seems like the world is coming apart at the seams, I read one article this week that said the world is on fire. But let me tell you something this morning. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is seated comfortably on the throne. He's not nervous about what's going on. He has everything in control. And God is going to move in the last hour. I know he's going to. He said it in his word. And history tells us this. In order for God to move in our hearts and in our lives, what's he going to have to do? How is he going to get this out of our hearts? He's got to deal with our hearts. He's got to deal with the sin that we have in our hearts and in our lives. I believe somebody's bringing me something else here. century philosopher he coined the phrase history repeats itself and what that phrase was referring to is something that happened before is going to happen again many times it has a negative connotation to it when you hear that you, you think of something negative but it also can be positive as well and here's what I believe that 
that God is going to do to the church so that he can bring revival. Because what he has to do is get out of our hearts all the things that, that we trusted in. All, all, the, all the ideas and the plans and, and things that we thought that we could do to move God. He has to get those out of our heart and out of our life. In Isaiah chapter 3, the Bible tells us, Isaiah said this. He finds Jerusalem in ruins. They flaunted their sin. They declared it as Sodom and they didn't even hide it. They were proud and unsatisfied and they laughed at the thought that God would even judge them. Now these were the people of God. This was not some way off group of people, some left wing group of radicals. No, these were the people of God. They had seen the miracles of God. The problem was there was an exterior image that didn't match what was going on inside their heart and in their life. And that same parallel has happened to us. There has been an exterior image. And inside our hearts and in our life, God has to deal with it because we trusted men more than we trusted God. Now let's look at the scripture in Jeremiah chapter 17, beginning at verse 4. Here's what he said. Through your own fault, you will lose the inheritance that I gave you. I will enslave you to your enemies in a land you do not know. For you have kindled my anger and it will burn forever. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Yes. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes, and they will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But listen. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and, and never fails to bear fruit. But the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. Here's what Jeremiah was saying. By trusting in men, you trusted in your own deceitful heart. Brothers and sisters, you can't trust either side of the aisle. You can't trust Republicans. You can't trust Democrats. But you can trust God. But what has to happen is for unity to come in the church, he has to refine us. He has to do to us exactly what he did to Israel. He has to take them on a journey to Babylon. Babylon was a place that they never dreamed they would be. It was a barren wasteland, a place that, that they were never meant to go. Babylon was a place, Babylon conquered Judah in 598 and for roughly 70 years. The people of God find themselves in Babylon. Now, just hold on. I know you're just looking at me right now like, what in this world is he going to do? It's like taking an airplane ride, okay? The pilot will say, look, just buckle up. It's going to be rough for a minute, but it's going to smooth out. I promise you, we're going to get there in a minute. It's going to be good at the end, but just hold on right here. Why did they go to Babylon? Their sin. They broke the covenant. 
In Leviticus and Ezekiel, we see, we see signs where the people of God did not obey the laws of God that he set before them. And God said this. He said, I will be their God and they will be my people. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. But if you refuse to obey my laws, you'll find yourself scattered among the nations. Amen. And here were the charges that he brought against Israel. Number one, their idolatry. They worship other gods. The kings, Hezekiah and Josiah, came in. And in their, during their rulership, the, the idols that had been lifted up and the Asherah poles that Israel had worshipped from false gods, they, they put them up. And Israel, in their idolatry, they began to worship that. But Hezekiah and Josiah came in, and they got rid of the Asherah poles. They, they knocked down the gods of Baal and all the other gods. And righteousness came to the land. But right after that, the sins of the kings, their own sons, Manasseh, who came and reigned for 55 years. Imagine a ruler for 55 years. And what he did, he reversed the reforms of his father Hezekiah, a godly leader. Listen to what he did. He sacrificed even some of his own sons. He set up Asherah poles. And the Bible says this about Manasseh, that he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. Now, brothers and sisters, let me tell you something this morning. God will not turn his eye away from a nation that sheds innocent blood. I don't care what party you're a part of. You're complicit. If you vote for a group that, that, that favors abortion, the aborting of innocent blood and babies, it is against the rule of Almighty God, and he will not turn away from it. So what did he do? He sent them to Babylon for refinement. Now Babylon, listen to what it is. Babylon was 700 miles from Judah. That is about the distance from here to Dallas. They weren't getting there on Delta. They were walking 700 miles. Some died along the way, those who were sick, the elderly. They couldn't make the journey. It was too hard. And finally, when they reached Babylon, they realized where they are. They realized that they're in a strange land, a place that, that God never intended for them to be. Then the Babylonians looked at them and said, Now sing us some of the great praise and worship songs that you sang when you were in the sanctuary. Sing us now the songs of praise that you sang to the Lord when you were there. But what did Israel say? They said, how can we sing a song in a strange land? How can we sing here the praises of God? We were never meant to be here. And now we realize because of our sin that, that, that we're estranged from him. We, we can't worship him now. We can't praise him like we should. Here's today's application. I believe with all of my heart that there is a dark cloud that is over this nation. There is a dark cloud that is coming. We are just now beginning to see the beginning of it. It started in a pandemic, but it's going to be a place of refinement for us. 
God has to take something out of our hearts that one more time that he can use us. Because you see, when the wave of his glory comes, he's not going to share his glory with a man, a television superstar, a church, or a denomination. When God moves this time, only he will get the glory. The world will know that he alone is God. No other God beside him. No other God like him. see we find ourselves locked down in restrictions of COVID and I believe with all of my heart it was a demonic assignment against the church but we did a lot of other things I know economies it, it, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me in the beginning of it that it was a time of repositioning God is re letting the earth be repositioned, governments repositioned, finances be repositioned, economies being repositioned all throughout the world, the repositioning was taking place. And I believe even in the church. Because we found how blessed we are to be in this house this morning. How blessed we are to be in a state where a governor says you can come together in worship. I spoke to one of our brothers in the northeast last night. And he says we've been apart for so long. They haven't been able to come together. Restrictions were placed. Don't come into the sanctuary or synagogue or any other place and worship together. Don't even sing together. What does that sound like? That sounds like a demonic assignment from hell was what it sounds like. But hear me this morning. The devil cannot stop the praises of God's people. We can meet together in our house. We can meet together by Facebook. He can't stop the praises of God's people. But we found ourselves locked down. We find ourselves talking about things. We hear the government right now, the tax-exempt status being taken away from churches. I believe that's going to come as we go forward. Let me ask you a question. Are you still, thank God you're breaking tithe records. Let me ask you a question. Are you still going to pay your tithes if you can't get a deduction on your taxes? I'll just move on from there. Equality Act. Failure to conform to sexual orientation and gender identity. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we are living in a demonic time. We are living when everything we know is being redefined, marriage redefined, gender redefined, family redefined. But hear me this morning. God is always in control. And I believe we could be going to Babylon. We could be feeling a Babylonian experience. But look what happened when Israel was in Babylon. God always shows up. God always has a man. God always has a remnant. And let me tell you, not everybody's going to see the move of God. I hear people, you know, they just preach this stuff. There's a mighty rushing wind. There's a mighty river coming. Just like there's nothing that you can do about it. Oh, yes, there is. Oh, yes, there is. Let me tell you something. God, the Holy Spirit, he, the, the, the dove, he, he, he is a gentleman, a dove. It, 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 it's a sensitive bird. It's, a, it's sensitive. You, you can just... You can just move something and it will fly away. You have to be receptive to the dove. You 
got to be receptive to the Spirit of God. And it is only the people who are sensitive to the Holy Spirit who want a move of God. The remnant church will be identified, but it will be the people of God who move towards Him in prayer, who move towards Him in their relationship in this last hour. So here's what He does. When the church was in Babylon, here's what I believe we're going to see. It's when the church was in Babylon that he raised up remnant people like Daniel who refused to bow to whatever was going on. He raised them up for that hour. Why? To demonstrate his power and to demonstrate his authority to everybody. Let me tell you, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he will not sit by and let a nation rise up with other gods, idol gods. He will always show up and let the world know that he alone is God. Exile, that, that's where they went. And that's where I believe we're going. Exile was different from slavery. When Israel was in, in slavery to Egypt, there was no freedom. There was nothing that they could do outside themselves. They, they worked hard. And when they tried to even leave, the, they put even more tasks upon them. It, it was total slavery. But here's what happens when you go to exile. In exile, you are free for a while, but you have restrictions. And so what Israel was able to do when they went to Babylon, they were free, but they had restrictions. And what happened was their freedoms were gradually taken away from them. Yeah. Now you see the parallel. Now you see what is going on in our nation. Now you see how, how the church is being attacked, how the name of Jesus is being attacked. You can be any religion you want to be in America, but you mention the name of Jesus and you see what happens. You begin to call on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you watch people rise up against it. But you see, here's what happened. In Daniel chapter 3, in Daniel chapter 3, and I'm not going to preach much longer, just hold on. Now we're getting to the smooth part. Now we're getting to the good part. In Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar did this. He built an image of gold. It was 90 feet high. It was 10 feet wide. And what did he do? He summoned the Congress. Yeah, good morning. He summoned Congress. It said, pass a law that at the sound of the trumpet, at the sound of the harp, at the sound of the music, everybody fall down and worship the idol. And if they don't fall down and worship the idol, they'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. Understand, it became the law of the land. It was law. The government passed it. But there was three Hebrew children. Now let me ask you a question. There were about 70,000 people from Judah who went into Babylonian captivity. 70,000. What happened to the other 69,997? 
children. But three Hebrew children said, we won't bow to that image. And what did they do? The sound of the music goes off there, people bowing to the image that Nebuchadnezzar had made. All the 69,997, but three Hebrew children. And so what happens? They bring them in. What's wrong with you? And listen to their response. I love this part. They looked at him and said, King, we don't even have to answer you. We don't have to say a word to you. I love that part right there, brothers and sisters. Do you know what sometimes the church needs to do? Just be quiet. Just be quiet. There's sometimes we just need to just be quiet and let God defend himself. Let me tell you something. He will defend the honor of his own name. You don't have to say anything every time. He'll rise up and do it himself. Sometimes we just need to be quiet and let God be God. And here's what they said to him. We don't even have to say anything to you. We don't even have to do anything to you because... Our God is able to deliver us. You see, you got to know when the heat is coming, and the heat is coming to America, that we are still the apple of his eye. We're in the palm of his hand. We have him. If we perish like Esther, we perish like the three Hebrew children. We don't have to say anything to you. Our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow to your image. We're not going to bow to the laws of this land. Our God is able to deliver us. You will never get in the fire for him that he won't get in the fire with you. He'll be with you every step of the way. Don't back up. Don't bow down. Be a remnant person in this hour. And I am way more worked up than I intended to be. So here's what happens. He throws them into the furnace seven times hotter. Bound them up. And the men who threw them in the furnace, they, they died. They perished because the fire was so hot. But what does Nebuchadnezzar do? You know the story. Did we not put three men in there? But do we not see four men in the fire? And the fourth looks as to the Son of God. I always know this. Our God is able to deliver you. He is able to deliver you. He is able to keep you from falling. See, here's what happened. Look at the result of that. Remember now, the Congress passed the law. Everybody fall down and worship the idol. But after God shows up, after the resolve of three people that would not bow, they would not bow to that idle, false God, tries to destroy them, but God shows up in the middle and works through his remnant people. Look what happened at the end of it. Look what Nebuchadnezzar had to say, the one who built the idol. When God showed up and delivered his people, what does he say? He said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, I decree that if anybody says a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'll cut them to pieces. Their house will be turned to rubble. Listen, for no other God can save in this way. At the end of the day, God was 
was the one that got the glory. God was the one that got the praise. Going through the fire, he showed up and demonstrated his glory. See how blessed it is that we can be alive today because the same God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, history is going to repeat itself. There are going to be laws that are going to be passed to do away with the church and against the church. But if we will have the resolve of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we will hear those same people turn around and know that he is God. went into the New Testament. You know, it's interesting to me, you know, how we wanted the laws to be passed. You know, I get that. We, we want a godly leader. We want laws that are in keeping with, with this book. I understand that. We wanted that. Because we wanted everything just to be nice and easy. We never want conflict. But here's the problem. I never see in this book, particularly the New Testament, where the church thrived when there was peace. I always see where the church thrived where there was conflict. Holy Spirit comes, descends upon them in the upper room. And I'm Pentecostal from the top of my head and the sole of my feet. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, for too long in Pentecost, and I believe speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not letting that go. I'm not letting go of my Pentecostal roots and my Pentecostal heritage. But for too long, we have just believed that being Pentecostal was speaking in tongues and giving a message in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. Let me tell you, that is part of it. But what we miss in Pentecost is the power, the boldness that came with being filled with the Spirit. Because you go back and you look at it. When the disciples were in the upper room, Jesus told them to go there. The blood of Jesus was already on the mercy seat. They were redeemed. They were going to heaven. But they were scared to death of the culture. Because the group that had just crucified Jesus were on the streets looking for the disciples. Waiting suddenly something happened and they began to speak in tongues as the spirit gave them the utterance they spoke in tongues but look at what really happened after that the bible says that they came out of the upper room on the streets and what happened they engaged the hostile culture they were not afraid to speak the name of jesus 
And brothers and sisters, you talk about miracles. Miracles have a timing. They went in, in Acts chapter 3. They went to the temple at the time of prayer. They'd been going to the temple for years at the time of prayer. And there was a lame man crippled from his birth. Jesus had even walked by. Jesus had even walked by the man at the temple who was crippled. Why didn't he heal him? Because it wasn't the time that he had ordained. But on this day, it was time for a miracle. The timing had come. And a group of men who were empowered by the Spirit, who were bold in the Spirit, they come walking out and they see him at the temple. Begging for alms, begging for money. Silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. It was time for a miracle. The man stood up on his feet, run through the temple, leaping and praising God because of the boldness that had come on the disciples. And brothers and sisters, that miracle working power kept going on. And what did they do? They called them into the authorities. Called them into the government people. And they said, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Stop speaking his name. But they were afraid to because what did the disciples say? We can't stop speaking. We can't stop talking about the things that Jesus has done. And what happened? Even the authorities were afraid to enforce their commands because the people saw what was going on. Brothers and sisters, I believe that we are moving to a day of the supernatural when the remnant people of God are going to stand up and proclaim his name and see the miracle working power of God work for his holy name's sake. That the name of Jesus is glorified. The name of Jesus is lifted up. I believe, I decree, and I declare today that this house will be full of people. That miracles, signs, and wonders will take place because of a remnant people who are hungry for the blowing of God's spirit. The wind of his spirit to come into the house. Stand to your feet right now, please. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift your hands and just worship with him. Come on, just speak his name. Come on. Just speak his name. just worship you here this morning. We just give you praise and we give you honor and we give you glory. Thank you this morning, Lord. Thank you this morning for the witness of your spirit in this house. This morning, Lord, we are just hungry for something fresh for ask you to search our hearts this morning, Lord. Search our hearts. This morning, Lord, we just declare bankruptcy in our hearts and in our lives today. 
We have no more plans. We're out of ideas. We need you. We need you to do what only you can do in our hearts and in our lives. Take whatever's wrong in our hearts this morning, Lord, and make it right. Forgive us of all the idols that we have placed in front of you, in substitution of you. Forgive us of that this morning, Lord, and cleanse us and purge us so that we will be vessels of honor for you and for your kingdom. Now, Lord, I, I just pray today that you will continue to touch the leadership of this house. Pastor Adam and Tina, their family this morning, I pray for fresh anointing upon them this morning. Lord, we, we feel a fresh wind of your spirit in this house. And I just pray this morning that it would just blow in an unprecedented way. That everybody in this region will know that the Spirit of God is alive in this house. That the supernatural would be manifested. That you would receive the glory and the honor for everything that's going to happen. We, we believe that today, Lord. We're trusting you for it today. We're trusting you for generations. We're trusting you for all races of people today. Everything that is not like you, everything that is against you today, we cast it down in the name of Jesus. May your name be glorified. May your name be lifted up. And we will give you all the glory and all the praise. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. And amen. And amen. And amen. God bless you this morning. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.